This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Marcelia. We are broadcasting live today from Pikes Peak Line Dance or Bust Line Dance event in Colorado Springs, Colorado. <clears throat> We're hoping that our setup today will come through clearly. We're using the Lobby Hotel Wi-Fi. I can and, always uh, check if you would like. And it uh, looks like we're going to do a quick sound check just to be sure that quality is at maximum for all of you wonderful listeners out there. Let's see how it's sounding on the Move Radio website that uh, you have pulled up on your phone. Move Radio is easy to find on uh, TuneIn, on the TuneIn app, or on the Move Radio website. Oh, and it sounds like it's coming through nice and clear. I think that's, uh, a, that's a good level. White side, but yeah. All right. We have numerous articles here today for you. Since we are at the first of a couple of events that we're going to be attending in um, July, we've got an article here that says, in the title bar, how to take advantage of dance events. We're going to Fun in the Sun in Orlando the weekend after we leave from here, Pikes Peak Line Dancer Bust in Colorado Springs, so we thought this would be especially relevant so that we make the most of our events and our attendance at them. This event, or this event, this uh, article about dance events is on CanadianSwingChampions.com and it was written by, I guess, Miles and Tessa. They run the site. All right. First in how to take advantage of dance events. <coughs> <laughs> Have fun. The underlying principle of this weekend is to inspire you, improve your skills, and increase your enjoyment of the dance. No one is judging you or forcing you to perform. So relax, check your ego at the door, and have fun. Remember, they planned this event for people like you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's half the reason why we go to these is because they are so much fun, because we can let go and just be a part of something bigger than us. We don't have to worry about um, people looking at us or judging us or anything like that. Um, because once you walk through the doors at one of these events, I mean, you're almost instantly family. So yep. it's the family you want to see. Mm-hmm. As I uh, mentioned earlier on Facebook, it's like a reunion that you want to attend. Yeah. Yeah, and they... For, for people who don't really know um, what to do or like you know, how to talk to people besides the people they came with, there are sometimes activities and um, like fun performance type things that take the heat off of the individual dancers that the um, event organizers put on. Like I know at, at Boogie Till the Cows Come Home, which uh, Michael Barr and Michelle Burton do, they have games where everybody participates. Yes. It's not just well the people who are you know good enough at this dance will be you know able to do this for the next 4 minutes like or the people who learned this gajillion count thing you know they get to have fun but you get to sit cuz you only know this or that. Like with with games that are made for interaction and ice breaking everybody gets to talk to somebody and yeah. feel like you know it mattered that they showed up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That is one of my favorite parts about Boogie was the games. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is with this one, it says, remember they planned the event for people like you. Um, They have all kinds of levels for difficulty when it comes to these events. So if you're, you know, fresh out of the gate, you don't have to feel like you're drowning when it comes to um, trying to keep up with everybody because they have... Uh, beginner dances um, set aside in time slots. Um, Some of the bigger events have them every hour. Um, Sometimes they alternate. Uh, A lot of these events have a special beginner ballroom um, open at night so that you have a chance to really go in there and practice and get better. Um, But there's also a very warm and accepting feeling in the other ballrooms where if you wanted to try and push yourself, you certainly can, and you certainly can try some of the more complex dances. Um, 
and just be in those rooms. The one thing I have noticed is a lot of the choreographers will bounce back and forth between the two rooms too, so they mm. don't forget about one or the other. Yeah, speaking of choreographers, I think that that's one of the things that the games helps do is really equalize things for everybody. Um, makes us all feel like we're just dancing together. It's not like there's some hierarchy or anything. It's it's all of us just enjoying what we do. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites was in Oregon, the Northwest Line Dance Blast, where you got to wear the color of your favorite choreographer. Mm -hmm. um, and then you got in your groups with the choreographer, and you were just playing around and just really enjoying yourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all you had to do was pick a color, which sounds easier than it was, but, you know... Uh, then you got to interact with the choreographer and other people and meet new people. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah, you know something that um, something that I heard in a Tim Ferriss podcast recently was the idea that the people you interact with can help you take your mind off of yourself. So I don't know if this will come up anywhere later in the list, but in addition to have fun, you can think about it in terms of be fun, like. What can you do, I think as they put it, um, what can you do to bring fun, entertainment, and delight to others? So if you, if you feel like something interactive and lively isn't happening right then, well, you know what? You can start something. You can gather people around in a circle and say, all right, so what events have we all been to? Or what's your favorite dance? Or whatever. You can be the person who gets that going if you think that the fun thing that you think should be happening isn't happening yet. Very true. Yeah. Keep an open mind. The professionals were brought in because they are experts in their field. They may have ideas or techniques you haven't heard of yet. But keep an open mind and consider that they have a lot to offer. Chances are, your local teacher is taking the workshop too. So if they value the new information, so should you. If your teacher isn't there, be sure to tell them what they missed. If your teacher is teaching workshops there, Try to avoid taking them. You hear them all the time. Go to other instructors' workshops to diversify your learning. Uh, one of my favorite things about the line dance events has to do with the fact that there are so many instructors here and there's so many lessons and workshops that you can take. Um, I know in the past I've taken the same dance from multiple instructors because they'll describe something differently or they'll put more of an emphasis on this moment as opposed to that moment um, or they'll actually have a lot of similarities too and it really helps me understand um, not only the dance what the initial intention was but it allows me to understand my body and how it wants to move to that song a whole lot more clearly than if I was to just say, you know, read it off a step sheet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and one of the, another one of the things I love is a lot of the um, instructors I see on the dance floor with us taking different workshops. And it's really reassuring that they're out there trying to learn those dances too, that they're enjoying themselves just as much as we are. Um, even though we hold them in such a high esteem as like, these are professionals, they do this for a living, so of course naturally they're gonna be more experienced than us, so they're gonna be better than us. And all of the things that we put on them and project towards them, um, and it's very uh, grounding to see them right there beside us taking those same lessons. Mm -hmm. um, and even occasionally struggling with some movement or some count or, um, I've seen them clarify with the instructors, now wait, is this a one and two, or is this a one, two and? Um, and I've seen them do that with the actual instructor that's teaching because they're trying to understand it. So it's, it's definitely nice to see that. Mm -hmm. One thing I think is interesting, well, they mentioned here uh, to go to other instructors' workshops because we hear from our own all the time. Um, you actually, as an instructor, if you want to keep your hometown people interested, maybe hold something back that you don't teach at home, like Kat Painter did with her technique workshop. Sure, we could learn her dances from Stoney's anytime, or she would probably just be willing to show them to us one-on-one, -on -one. but the technique workshop that she did took extra time to put together, and that's something that we weren't going to get from just a night at Stoney's um, Stoney's Rock and Rodeo to give people context it's a country bar that we go to for line dancing um, 
that's the sort of thing where even if you've known her for however long, you're probably not familiar with all the things that she's going to go into in a workshop like that. So then you feel like you have an excuse for why you're going to your your home instructor's workshop. You're not just trying to play it safe and stick to who you know. Like You're actually learning something new from them. And you get to support them at the same time. But I also like that they do sort of give permission to, like, you don't feel like a bad student or a bad friend if you want to go see somebody teach from Denmark or the Netherlands or somebody you never get to see. And at that same time slot, somebody from home is teaching. Like, you can maybe pop your head in and, like, tip your hat. But that way, um, like, with, with this little line in the article, you get that sense that it's okay. You yeah. don't have to be there for all of their stuff. They know you like them. It's all, it's, it's all right to learn more from other people. Also, uh, I've mentioned it before in the podcast many times, I'm sure, but uh, as far as keeping an open mind and learning outside of your comfort zone, um, Skinny Love by Roy Hedisabrota was my first weird, slow, non-what-I-considered-line-dancey line dance because I, at the time, at my very first Vegas event where I saw that taught, I was in full boots, buckle, hat, everything. I think I also had a cape that you year. You did. I did. Anyway, um, <laughs> I had never done anything like that before, and the pretty much main reason I was interested in that workshop was because somebody I knew liked that song. So I thought, well, okay, well, I'll learn the dance that goes with this song and you know, bring it back home so she can maybe dance it. Uh, and I did not know how weird it was going to look or feel and I remember New Thang that was the first workshop I took that year and that also was so different from all the country line dances I had been doing at country bars with like the fists out in the front and then all the hand stuff at the end like I didn't really know what I was getting into there but I guess well partly I can sort of expect that now from folks like Philip and Rebecca Right. Uh, and also, now that just seems like, well, of course there's going to be some hand stuff. I mean, there's Guyton. Guyton's got hand stuff. There's Roy and Fred and Shane. Now I, I'm way more uh, acclimated to things like that. But at the time, it did require, as they say here, an open mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, it's, it's interesting when I look back to what um, I used to dance, you know, um, it felt awkward to have my hands in my belt loops or my buckles to begin with, mm -hmm. but that was what was the norm. Um, so then, like, branching out and actually incorporating choreographed hand movements, like, that was just weird. Um, and now those are some of my favorite dances because it engages more of me during the dance. But if I had just, you know, shut down originally and was like, nope, I'm not learning that because I am not waving my hands in the air. I am not making a heart with my fan. Nope, not doing it. Um, some of those are my favorite now. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you can get away with calling stuff the Simon. Yep. Like when you're doing that part of Shake That by Madison Glover. <laughs> Embrace your role as a learner. You paid for a ticket because you wanted to learn something new, meet new people, and contribute to a cause. Being a student in a class means actively listening to the instruction, participating in the dancing, and refraining from distracting other learners. Take notes after each workshop. Don't assume you will remember it all. It is considered extremely rude to teach or offer advice on the social dance floor. If your partner is not getting it or needs help, please refer them to the instructor or ask the instructor for help. If someone tries to help you uninvited, just say, can we just dance? <laughs> um, I am definitely a big promoter of embracing your role as a learner. Mm. Um, you are a student. I believe even once you're a teacher, you're still learning. Oh yeah. Um, and it's important to remember that, that you will always be a student um, in some fashion or another. Because once you stop striving to learn more and better yourself is when you stop trying. Mm. Um, as for, like, I don't know, offer on the dance floor, I guess it, it varies. Like, I wouldn't want to try and explain something in the middle of a teach. That's where I could see it being, um, having an issue. But, like, if someone, I guess, I guess that's where it is. 
I wouldn't necessarily offer the advice, but if it was asked and I understood it afterwards, I would have been like, well, you could always ask so-and-so, but this is what I understood. Um, and kind of break it down from that way. Uh, but that's only if I'm like 100% confident in my movement, otherwise I'm gonna refer them to the instructor. Also, I think it would depend somewhat on the dance. Like if you are doing something a little lighter and peppier, like missing, um, where you know there's that tricky little weight switch for the re- restart, uh, if somebody looks like they're missing that every time and they're, they're like, ah, oh, I, always, I always forget that part. Um, like that's the kind of thing where, I mean, I guess that, that might be a, uh, an example where it only happens the one time. But if, if, um, if it's something where you see it every wall, they're having trouble with it, and you see an opening to just be like, oh yeah, that's the thing where this thing happens. Yeah, that get, gets me every time. Like they'll probably be open to hearing that. If it's Sound of Silence, Guyton Mundy. If it's Fragile, Guyton Mundy, and I think Fred Whitehouse. Like if it's one of those really intense dances, or, oh gosh, even a quieter one, like She Used to Be Mine. If somebody's missing something in that, and you're like, oh, you just need to put your life foot here and then grab your arm extension, like people are going to notice. <laughs> they're going to hear you shouting over everybody's zone that they're experiencing. So, yeah, I think that, to, uh, that, that would really depend on the dance that you're trying to help people with. Yeah, and <laughs> the, um, the environment you're in. Yeah. So that's going to be a little bit different, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, another one that would be really easy to help with would be, like, You're So Beautiful by Lorenzo Golo Evans. It's so light, but it requires a lot of remembering which part comes next. So people might need and appreciate help on something like that. And it's a sil- kind of a silly-feeling dance with, like, the up-down, up-down. It's, like, intended to be that way. So you're not breaking anybody's flow. Yes. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, I also like the idea of taking notes after each workshop because um, sometimes they do offer little technical things that you can apply toward other uh, dances and you might want to be sure to remember that, especially when you're four days into the event and your brain is fried. Yeah. Yeah. Brain fry is a real thing. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, and refraining from distracting other learners. That's, a, that's an easy one. Like, I don't really see a lot of that uh, most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time, like, students are really, really respectful during the workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't seem to really, you know, be rude or disrespectful or distracting too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think after a certain point, especially, I mean, people talk about with the line dance community, how it skews a little older. That's one of the things that you see less of is the me, 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 I need attention, look how funny I can be because I'm 16, you know, whatever thing that you see younger people doing. People just kind of age out of that. At least I like to think so. Yeah. Alright. Be social. This is a social dance. The idea being to meet lots of different people. So leave your inhibitions at the door and get out there. Don't spend your whole weekend in the same corner of the ballroom. Wander around and see who's on the other side. Don't forget your good hygiene and breath mints. Um... So the first thing that came to mind is one of the things I love the most about all of these events is they have name badges. We're extra special and spoiled. Thank you, Luann. Luann Schimmel. Um, And we have our Orange County Dance Connection name badges, which we wear everywhere. Um, We're wearing them right now. We are. Um, And it gives people an option to really come up to you and talk to you and and communicate. Um, And I love... I love meeting new people from all over the world. It's so it's so neat and interesting and just like crazy for me to imagine that, you know, like for instance, um, in just a few hours from now, we're gonna have um, Michael and Michelle here, which is, you know, close to our hometown. We're gonna have Joe Thompson Samansky, who lives, you know, in Denver, so Obviously, she's close to here, but not to us normally. And then we're going to have Madison from Australia. So it's like it's really cool to know that like all of these people from all over the world get to share in this one event, in this one experience. We get to make those memories. Um, and a, a, another great example is there's still a few of us that at Stoney's um, will dance Gimme Gimme, and there's a few of us right at the end will turn around 
and do the ending that we all experienced when Rebecca taught it in Vegas. There's a few of us that know that, so we do it. And like, it's that special moment that you still get to share with those people because it is such a social event. Mm -hmm. um, you get to make memories, you get to make friends. Um, the good hygiene and the breath mints. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I know we both carry mints and gum and deodorant and some type of uh, perfume or cologne on us pretty regularly. Yeah, we have two different flavors of mints for this trip. We've got the Altoid Strawberry Mint and then the uh, was a vanilla mint from, from Trader Joe's. And we use the same Old Spice deodorant, <laughs> so it works out really well. If one of us forgets one, the other person's got it covered. Yeah, that's definitely convenient there. Um, oh, it's Desperado for anybody who wants to try it out. <laughs> it's a great smell. Um, one of my favorites. Yeah, and yeah, that's certainly one of those things that um, helps, because mm -hmm. if you're going to be up close and personal with people... Um, you want to smell decent. You want to feel confident, too. Yeah, because no one's going to want to talk to you if you've been sweating like a pig for six hours and don't shower or uh, use deodorant or something to that extent. Also, uh, part of the hygiene, consider what it is that you're eating at the events, because sometimes the smell of it can come through your pores. Um, I, I mean, just whatever it is that I eat, I don't think I really generate a lot of anything, but... Um, like if I were to do something very oily, cheesy, garlicky, then you know maybe that would come through. I think it's more like when I have like lower quality ingredients. Like if I'm eating just like some five dollar Little Caesars pizza versus like a Costco pizza, I can I can detect the difference. <laughs> uh, also, the bit about staying in the same corner of the ballroom reminded me of Big Bang Dance Classic in North Carolina that uh, Megan and I both attended. We did mostly stay in one corner, and then we had the experience that we had, as opposed to, say, somebody like Gary O'Reilly, that dear, sweet dancer person, um, like, he floated around everywhere. He was, like, talking with us for a few minutes, and then you'd see him go meet other people, and he was just being, like, lively and social and asking people about their lives and... I just thought that was so cool. Like, he was probably having a much different experience of the event than we were. Yeah. And that's because he was putting himself out there. Yeah. Um, now, I know that a lot of people have the habit of sitting in the same general vicinity, regardless of what event they go to. Um, I was actually talking um, at the Boots and Buckles uh, Dance Connection, Bay Area Dance Connection, where all of the uh, Bay Area groups got together and shared an event um, and I was talking to a couple different people and how they were saying like they always sit in the same area regardless of where they're at. It's always to this side of the of the uh, DJ or in the back of the room or you know there's certain places that you just feel most comfortable, which is great. You can always sit there, but don't stay there. Walk around, meet people, you know. Um, go hang out in a different spot for a couple songs or something like that if you're not dancing them um, you can still have your stuff in that corner that can be your home base that's fine but float around a little bit and get that that social experience because it will make a world of difference somebody told me at uh, Stoney's that sometimes I can seem unapproachable because when I get out on the dance floor of course I look like I'm having all kinds of fun and then afterwards, I just go straight back to my seat, which is by the DJ booth, and you know, talk with the people that I came with, like you and Keith and whoever else. And when people do approach me, it's like when I'm on my way somewhere, usually like on the way to the bathroom or the bar or wherever um, in transit, uh, because they can. When I'm tucked back away in those tables that aren't really on the way to anywhere, people kind of have to go out of their way if they want to say something and that puts them in an awkward position because what if they don't know me very well and they think I'm gonna you know just dismiss them like uh, it's good to it's good to make yourself available for people to talk to casually if um, if that's something that you are open to people doing yeah absolutely pace yourself just because you took the quote beginner class does not mean you are ready for the intermediate class next hour. Classes with a level in the title indicate that the content will be aimed at that level of dancer. It does not indicate step one and step two of a program. Smart dancers take beginner level classes to do foundation skills maintenance. Um, pacing yourself is 
huge when the event is more than a day. Mm. Even during a day, if you're relatively new to it, um, it's important to pace yourself just in general of just the physical activity alone. Um, plus learning, you know, five or six dances in five or six hours is a lot for your body and your brain. Um, I know near the end of the day, I tend to get really tired and really like unfocused and wait, what? It, it's a walk, walk. Why am I not walk, walking? You know, mm-hmm. it's like even the most simple of steps can become the most complex because at that point I'm dehydrated. I don't have the fuel that I need to because I hadn't eaten yet. Um, I'd put so many other things in my body that I'd really pushed myself. Um, And so that last dance or two can get really challenging. Um, I have definitely found a tip secret is uh, take a nap during the dinner break and get food right at the end <laughs> of the dinner break, plan for it, uh, because that nap, even if it's only like a 15, 20 minute nap, it makes the world of difference when you go then, go from all those lessons into social dance, you have that recharge, that reset for your body and your brain um, that I know when I've gone without has made open dance a whole lot more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as for pacing yourself, it's okay to stay in the beginner classes the whole time. It's okay to stay in the intermediate classes the whole time. It's whatever you feel the most comfortable doing and whichever dances you feel like you can have the most enjoyment out of once you've learned them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that um, after Portland, like I took Hairspray. I took I Don't Mind. I don't know when I will do those dances again. But if I had gone to a different workshop during those same time slots, maybe I would have learned something that I could take back with me to my beginner class at Brookdale. I took the classes that we took, Hairspray and I Don't Mind, because, like, of course, it's just great experience, like, listening to either Simon or Fred on a live microphone. (laughs) Uh, Highly, highly recommend it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, but dance-wise, like just because I'm able to do those doesn't mean they were necessarily the best choices for what I was going to learn and retain and enjoy long longer into the future. Um, if there had been something more, quote, useful for me in another room, maybe that would have been the way to go. Um, and it, it says here, uh, beginner level classes to do foundation skills maintenance. If you can take a beginner class from Rachel, you're going to learn a lot. Uh, she taught Made in the Shade, and here, I'll just turn it over to you for this. Oh, I was just, that was actually the one I was thinking of is in Portland. Um, I know we had mentioned this on previous podcasts. Uh, we were blessed with learning Made in the Shade from one of the co-choreographers, Joe thompson Szymanski, back in January at the Palm Springs event. Um, at Portland, the other choreographer, Rachel, was teaching it as well, and I knew that if I made it to no other dances um, that weekend for the workshops, I wanted to take Made in the Shade, even though I already knew the dance. Um, That comes from, one, I wanted to see Rachel teach it. Two, I wanted to see the different styles in two of the instructor slash choreographers that I highly respect. I wanted to see how they emphasize different movements and getting that lesson from Rachel having a foundation in the dance already really helped me to maximize the experience of the technique of how to move in that dance because I had I was fortunate enough to have the foundation from Joe um, who is an amazing instructor in herself and then I was able to add more to it because I got a second teach of it. And it is considered, um, it's a beginner or improver? Probably improver. Yeah, it's one of the uh, beginner or improver level dances. Um, And it it was probably one of the most fun lessons I had all weekend. Mm -hmm. So. Next, this one will probably require a little modification. Rotate. In the classes, there will be uneven numbers of men and women. It's a mathematical statistic. In order to ensure everyone gets to dance, we rotate partners. 
Dancing with different people helps you learn faster because you get to feel what it's like to work with different body shapes, connection, and styles. Staying with the same partner causes you to learn to adapt to their bad habits, which in turn makes you develop bad habits. Do yourself a favor and rotate. What this does remind me of is dancing uh, at Mavericks or Tradewinds, or I guess maybe to a lesser extent, the late Kodiak Jacks, uh, versus dancing at a ballroom type event. Because there are things that you can get away with on a very casual small floor, like mirroring, moving backwards, things like that, that might really throw somebody off in a ballroom style event. Um, when you're not like among the people you know. When you're with the people you know, your usual partners in a line dance, then they know what you're about to do when you do some really weird looking thing. Um, and you can't just do that to a stranger. <laughs> they would be very confused and um, maybe trip over you. Well, even so, and I know occasionally at Sony's when I'm mirroring during certain uh, dances and I turn to someone I don't know, it shocks them for a second and then they smile because they're like, oh, that's, that's funny. You know, but it, it did disturb them slightly. Um, as for the rotating part, um, I, I think it's good that you learn different dances in different areas of the room. Mm. Um, and that alone can help you adjust uh, to learning uh, faster or more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, I know that when I'm not in the same exact spot for every single lesson, I don't get confused as easily. Mm -hmm. um, now, when I do know that like when I've learned a really, really complicated dance, I like to go back to that spot on the floor when I do it later during open dance because I've familiarized myself with like, okay, that's the chair I was looking at, that's the picture that I was facing when I was doing this movement. Um, and it helps solidify that in my mind. But the next night, I try and do it in a different area of the floor so that um, one, I'm around new people, and two, I've forced myself to be like, okay, well, do you remember where you were? Mm. I know... Um, was it Love Remains? Hmm. I think it is. Um, we learned it at Coach's Corner in Sebastopol, California from Brenda Chateau. And when I get on the floor, the first thing I do is like, okay, that's where the mirrors are. That's where the door was. That's where the exercise bikes were. And I visualize that on the floor wherever I'm at. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because that's I made a point to remember during the lesson where everything was so that I can position myself later in my imagination on any dance floor doing it. In fact, we were just discussing this recently um, at the Knights Inn, <laughs> the Knights Inn Colorado Springs. If anybody comes to visit for this event, do not stay. No, Do no. not stay at the Knights Inn. <laughs> uh, we were considering, we have a nice big open space in the room where we were considering learning some dances in advance of open social dance tonight, or maybe even choreographing something, but we both know that we imprint. Wherever it was that we first learned to dance, we see that in our mind later. And if we are first choreographing a dance, we're going to see that too. There's so little of our room that we want to ever see again. That I feel like it could it deserves its own episode if we, if we even if we even uh, immortalize it that much. But yeah, we we decided that it would be best to just forget it as quickly as possible, which means no dancing uh, if we can help it in that space. We might do some here in the lobby at the DoubleTree, which is much fancier and nicer and like a hundred dollars more per night, um, maybe even more. It's very cheap at the Knights Inn. Anyway, um, yeah, just keep that in mind when you're learning a dance um, to move around to different areas uh, to be sure you really know the dance and not just the dance if you do it in that particular space and tie everything exactly to where it is. Uh, yeah, once you can do it with your eyes closed and you can imagine doing it anywhere, you can feel confident that you know it pretty well. Take advantage of instructional videos. No one's memory is good enough to remember all the awesome things you're going to learn this weekend. Videos ensure you leave with the information you came to get. If you like the instructor and they have instructional videos, buy one. If there's a video notebook supplied, get it. Um, I know Joe, Rachel, and Scott all provide instructional videos of their uh, choreography. 
Um, I've actually looked into a couple of them before, and they are definitely invaluable. Mm -hmm. um, I know, as for like YouTube, I would be lost without Vivian too. Yep, and all her various channels that she uploads to. Uh, she is amazing, and I've learned so many different dances off of her instructional videos. Um, as we have the step sheet up next to the video, and we go back and forth to clarify certain movements, and um, yet yeah, I am a big, big believer in instructional videos. When I started out, I didn't know how to read a step sheet, and I would do everything off of video if I possibly could. So even if you are of the opinion, like I eventually got to the point of like, oh well, you know, people can just we don't need to put out a tutorial video. We can just do the demo, and they can look at the step sheet and then compare. But no, some people really do learn best just from a walkthrough of the dance. They say like, you know, here are the first eight counts, and then you do them, and then you know you move on to the next one. If you need to like pause and go back, that's fine. But just having it slowed down and talked through so that you can mimic whatever is happening on the screen, that can be a lot easier for some people, like it was for me, uh, than trying to decipher a step sheet. Which, I mean, most step sheets, if they're written well, like they're very intuitive. Like, you, you do exactly what they are saying. But they can still be very scary for people who are not used to them. <clears throat> Next up. Take advantage of private lessons. Private lessons are by far the most effective and efficient way to improve your dancing. They are not just for advanced dancers. They are a good idea for every level of dancer and are the most value for your dollar. You can learn more in a private lesson than you would in six months of taking group classes. During a private, the instructor can give you the feedback you need to make the moves you learned in the workshop actually work. They can also help you overcome dancer's block or enlighten you to ways you have been sabotaging your own dancing. Um, yes, I actually learned back at Palm Springs from the wonderful J.P. Potter um, that most of the choreographers slash instructors actually offer private lessons. Um, you can certainly contact most of them via their Facebook or email accounts um, if you're going to event, an event that they're going to be at and you can talk with them and see if they have any time, what their pay scale is, and all that information. Um, I had every intentions of doing that in Portland, and then just one thing led to another, and it didn't happen. Um, so I'm hoping pretty soon here I'll be able to set something up with a few of them. But um, I know that taking their workshops are amazing in itself, but to be able to get that one-on-one -on -one like attention and instruction is gonna just, it's gonna be worth every cent it is and every second it is. So mm -hmm. um, I highly, highly recommend at least looking into the ones that you really wanna learn from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th there's definitely uh, like an additional level of what some of these top choreographers are able to offer at events because. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could sit with a piece of paper and choreograph a dance and just you know, publish it as is. But then as soon as you stand up to do it and people see you do it, if you're not doing it in a way that anybody wants to emulate, then your likelihood of getting hired to an event is less when somebody else could just teach that dance and make it look like a million bucks. So if you really want to become one of these instructors on the circuit, not only is it important for you to be able to generate uh, creative and innovative new dances for people to enjoy, you need to also dance in a way that people like to look at and wish they could do themselves. Because that's something that we see a lot in like Fred and Rachel, uh, Roy Hittisabrodo and Fiona, uh, all these people, Joe, uh, all these people who are able to do things that are so specific to how they move that you wish you could decipher what it is they're doing. and. You know, when you're lucky, some of them will share that with you in a private or um, in a technique workshop. If you don't have that, that little added bonus to your dance repertoire and like all you have are just you know, mathematically functional line dances, then I mean, that's great and people will still enjoy the dances, but there's less of a draw on the marquee. Like if, 
if people are like, oh, I want to, I, I want to just sit there and watch Rachel dance all night, like that's a real thing. <laughs> uh, there are there are other folks like maybe you know you and myself where we just dance to enjoy our, ourselves, but I doubt anyone is like paying for cross continental flights just to watch <laughs> us do it, whatever. You know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, if if you really want to invest in yourself becoming one of these major instructors, learn everything you can from as many of them as you can so that you become as valuable as you can uh, to the event managers who would potentially hire you. Well, yeah. Um, the other thing is with the private lessons, I mean, I know just from the little bit that I've been blessed with um, at uh, Vegas, both Joe and Kat did their technique workshops that... I didn't even like it didn't even cross my mind because I was just getting into this world uh, that that kind of stuff like existed and it like was really it really helped you as a dancer um, and like to to take that to the next level in just a technique workshop where there's a bunch of people bettered myself as a dancer uh, so to be able to work one on one with someone with that much knowledge is crucial I mm-hmm. mean you're gonna get so much out of it uh, the other thing is take it in the sense of go outside your comfort zone. If it's not a style you normally dance to, still take some type of lesson from them because of the fact that it's going to broaden your range regardless. You're going to get techniques um, and you're going to be able to understand your body and the movement better. Mm -hmm. Accept invitations. This one will probably need a little modification as well. This is a no-fear atmosphere. In the world of social dancing, it is understood that everyone is there to dance with everyone. Men ask women, and women ask men. Sometimes gender doesn't matter at all. Unless you have a really good reason, like having to use the facilities, it is actually considered rude to refuse an invitation to dance. Um, well, I do have some experience in East Coast Swing and getting into East Coast Swing. Uh, my best friend at the time, uh, told me that if someone asks me to dance, I say yes, period. Um, so there is something about that because uh, you're going to get more experience the more you dance. Uh, but as for like in the line dance events, you know, it's invitation can be just someone wants to dance next to you. I mean, it could be that simple. Um, it could be just an invitation to sit next to someone, to talk to next, you know, to talk with someone. Um, invitations can be all kinds of things when it comes to a line dance community. That it still works, you know. It's acceptance. Sit, take five minutes and talk with them. They, everybody knows also that when that one song comes on, you're like, I, I gotta. They're like, Yeah, go dance, go dance, go dance. You know, like we're all here to dance. They understand that, but that doesn't mean once you're done, you can't come back to that conversation. Yeah, you get a lot of like, oh, don't you know this one? And then they like wave you onto the floor and like, <laughs> you kind of have to gauge that like based on whether you really want to do that. If they look like they're really excited about it, then yeah, I would say if nothing's really stopping you, go ahead and just jump up there. And I, uh, mm. One of the things that comes with putting videos uh, of, of yourself dancing on YouTube hmm. is sometimes people will see how much fun you've had with those before and then they'll be like, oh, we want to see you do this one. Go up, go, it's Whip It, go do it. And then, and then you're doing Whip It. <laughs> so um, that would be another instance of you know, accept the invitation because they're going to have a lot of fun. Even if they don't know the dance, they want to watch you do it. Well, just get into that zone for a few minutes. <clears throat> Dance with better dancers. You will improve faster by dancing occasionally with dancers who are, quote, better than you. If this seems intimidating to you, remember, they are just as human as you are, and they were in your shoes once. They've been around longer and know this principle. Most of them seek the opportunity to dance with less experienced dancers because it forces them to work on their basics and lead follow skills. You may run into a few egos, but they are not as common as you think. Um, When it comes... When it comes to partner dancing, I wholeheartedly agree with dancing with people who are much more advanced or um, just starting out um, because it's going to broaden your range. It's going to give you more of a technical thought. As when it pertains to line dancing, 
I agree as well. Dance next to the people who are going to push you or even um, there's been a couple that I've sat out just specifically so that I could watch certain people to see what they do um, just to kind of get an idea of like, oh, okay, I never thought of doing something like that. Um, and then the next time I attempt it, I've given myself permission to play with it more. I've given myself to push and try things um, and Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I know pretty much three of my biggest influences when it comes to uh, trying new things. One is Rachel, one is Roy, Yep. and then the other is Joe. Like Those are three of my biggest influences to try something different with a dance, with moving the space around me, hitting certain notes. Um, holding certain pauses you're like just really playing with the music and then the dance itself mm -hmm. so um it is certainly watching them have fun and do what they do has encouraged me to be a better dancer and it could be tempting if you're like the big shot you know big fish in a small pond at your local country atmosphere or whatever um if they know you are the fanciest dancer on the floor you might want to just keep doing that and not branch out farther and be like known as the dancer of Reno or I don't know Lancaster whatever place is like not uh, a huge line dance scene but you are like the person there if you are thinking about going to one of these events and you're like oh but everybody's gonna be way better than me and then it won't be special anymore like watching them will give you so many more ideas for ways to play with the dances and make things more interesting for yourself and then you can still go back to your home area and like be all Mr. Fancy and whatever but you'll just be that much fancier <laughs> yeah um, the way I see it is it's hard and it's very humbling when you come into this world and you see all these people that have been doing it since they were six years old or Cough three Madison years Blower. old. Or since before she was born, which would be <laughs> Madison. Yeah. Um, it can be very intimidating and it can be very um, discouraging if you let it. But you have to remember that they are on a completely different path than you. They've had the experiences and the opportunities they've had because they've been doing it from such a young age um, and it's a better late than never that you join the scene um, and the only thing you have to do is let go and have fun and let yourself grow and they still need quote us as well like all us normal people if you are the fanciest dancer in your county and no one else in your county is dancing then you're the crazy person dancing alone in a parking lot so if you want to keep the line dance scene alive and also, you know, be all fancy, you still need to encourage other people to dance with you. Otherwise, the bar is going to not host line dance any line dance anymore, and events will stop selling tickets because no one's going to them anyway. Um, the people who have made it as far as they have uh, in line dance. I find are the ones who are like you know, humble and gracious and welcoming and uh, love other people and really enjoy having all of us there. So you don't have to worry about like how they're just being dragged down by all of us doing our normal vanilla or even lots of variations in our vanilla uh, attempts at dances. Like we're we're all there to be together and they're just doing a couple extra things. We're maybe doing a couple fewer extra things. Yeah, I agree. Yep. <clears throat> Prepare to be surprised. The judging a book by its cover rule applies here. Never make an assumption based on age, size, or beauty. These are very weak indicators of dance ability. The overweight grandpa in the corner might take better care of you than all your J&J &J partners, that's Jack and Jill partners, combined. And the mousy shy girl from your workshop might be the only one all night who can follow your tricks. You never know. Which means you should give everyone a chance. Consider it a hunting game for the diamonds in the rough. <laughs> um, I agree with the not judging things by its cover. Um, so many people have such a 
preconceived notion of what line dance is um, and what it should be. And coming to these events has certainly broadened my perspective and given me such a unique experience. Um, and it's interesting because I've actually been, I've spoken with people about this before and they've, they say, you know, well, isn't it a little bit on the more mature age range when you go to these events? And I was like, I guess, I don't know, I don't really notice. I mean, no, I don't see a whole bunch of kids running around, but, you know, um, it's one of those things where when I get into these environments, I just see the people. I don't see anything other than the people. And we're all here to have that same experience, that same amount of fun, that same enjoyment. Um, so why should I look at anything other than that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then sure, there's certain people that I get out there and I go, wow, wow, you really can move. I never, you're like, I never would have imagined that someone who's six could do the same movements as someone who's 96, which are both more advanced than me. You know, it's like it, there's no reason to put an age or a size or, you know, anything like that on a dancer because it's all about self-expression and having fun and enjoying yourself. So, Yeah, a couple great examples of uh, folks who might defy your, your expectations. If you see Guyton walking around with his jeans and his tennis shoes and T-shirt and wristband and sunglasses and beanie, Maybe you know, if it's at an event where there was like a card table or something, he just played some blackjack. You wouldn't expect that he was part of Sound of Silence or One Reason or Fragile, doing all these like arabesques and you know sweeps and things. Um, and similarly, you look at you know Superwoman Rachel McEnany with all her ballerina elegance, and she also did let it out, <laughs> and she was part of New Flow. And all this funky, heavy chains around your neck stuff that, like, you don't immediately see when she's doing falling. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just because you know you think you know what you're going to get from a certain instructor, you you could be very surprised by you know, what else is in their their uh, dance history. <laughs> so yeah, consider everybody a, a viable source of um, workshop enjoyment. Manage your stamina. The best part of the weekend happens between dinner and breakfast. Don't you dare hit the hay before midnight. <laughs> Don't make plans to attend the workshops and then take off to go see a movie. The evening competitions and performances are the highlight of the weekend, and the social dancing until the wee hours are the best you'll ever have. Do whatever it takes to stay up late. Sleep in a little. Take a nap during the day. Drink Red Bull, etc. Prepare in advance. Bring your own munchies and... Oh, I guess they mean drink-wise. Bring your own munchies and lubrication from the store so you'll have energy (laughs) after the restaurant's close. (laughs) No, um, staying up late is crucial. Some of the best dances and the most fun I've had happens in the late night hours because that's when the choreographers let go and they have the most fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, oh gosh, I just can think of um, Jukebox Mm -hmm. and Dance Ranch Romp. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, those are two that I was just like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. Those look so much fun. Why don't I know these dances? Um, Watching Fred do Wild Wild West, like... I mean, they just have fun and they let go and that's when it gets later at night, mm-hmm. um, which is why I highly recommended the nap between the dinner break. <laughs> John Robinson and Syncopated Rhythm. Oh my gosh. That's another fun one to watch. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him do that this weekend. As I really hope it happens. Oh, and I need to review it so I can do it with him because this will <laughs> be the first time I'll have an opportunity to. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and it is important to you know make sure you, you keep up um, your fuel level and stay hydrated. It's so important. Find a supermarket nearby if you can. It'll make everything so much cheaper than if you're stuck just getting whatever the gift shop has to offer at the hotel. We are so fortunate. We have a Target across the street from this hotel. And yesterday we bought SpaghettiOs. Today, yeah, we'll probably we'll probably get more water. Um, 
and yeah, maybe, I mean, I don't want to necessarily encourage myself to rely on caffeine, but uh, Red Bull's going to be a lot cheaper there than at the bar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to have at least one of the small Red Bulls in my bag during the event, just in case there's that one night that just, I'm just need that little bit of boost but for the most part I tend to try and just have the coffee in the morning um, as for like eating it's it's just really important mm. and this is coming from someone who typically doesn't eat unless she's at a dance event mm. <laughs> yeah I think I'll, I'll probably get a salad or something at Target just because I know it's gonna be like seven to ten dollars here and there I can get it for like three yeah yeah. Uh, anything like that where it's going to be long-term energy, not just a bunch of snacky candy stuff, um, you'll you'll have a better overall time, especially as the days start to accumulate on you. You might get away with it for the first couple days, but then after a while, your body's screaming, I need actual nutrients. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much. <clears throat> get in the spirit. Cheer on your fellow dancers. Wear T-shirts, tattoos, jackets, etc. to represent your area or school. Show appreciation for the performers by cheering and applauding during and after each piece. Get a good seat. Sit on the floor if you have to. Don't stand in the back behind the crowd. When you get home, tell everyone what a great experience they missed. Almost all the choreographers have their own shirts or jackets of some sort. So I'm hoping to buy Madison's today. Yeah, that would be really nice. Um, and as well as like we have our name tags like I, I mentioned from Luann we have our Dancing with Brenda shirts which is you know our local Brenda Chateau we're very spoiled that way and we just um, bought uh, Bay Area Line Dance Connection shirts to represent that part of the bay as well yeah I'm just waiting for Cat Painter to come out with something mm-hmm. um, so that I can really represent the majority of my uh, Bay Area people Mm. Internationally, we both have a, an Astro Roy shirt, uh, which represents Roy Hedisabrotto, and we also both have a Fred Whitehouse shirt, representing Fred Whitehouse. Yep. Oh, and uh, also we have Have Fun Go Mad shirts that I think we packed for alternate shirts tonight, um, representing Scott Blevins. Yeah. Yeah, and then a, a lot of the events will have t-shirts mm-hmm. too. Yeah, we have Big Bang Dance Classic. Yeah, so um, definitely get in the mood for it. Have fun. Um it's really cool to see all the different t-shirts from different places and different events. Like that's That was one of my favorite things about Boogie was seeing all the different people wear all the different years that they'd been attending. So that's certainly something fun for everyone, not just you. And it does help put you a little bit more in that spirit mood. Definitely. Also, one of the things that I really like about line dance events is that they do have these themes. Like wear your favorite choreographer's color or... Big Bang was under the sea. I think Detroit Motor City Dance Classic is going to be superheroes. Marathon was zombies. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what Showdown was. Mm -hmm. Since we weren't there, we only saw the live stream. Oh, um, and then there was the the one in Experience that was like Mardi Gras themed. Yeah. They had like Day of the Dead looking like really uh, intricate face paints. Yeah. So I, I like having an opportunity when possible to invest in the proper attire for things like that. Oh, and I guess we can just skip two, two notes down. Uh, prepare, <clears throat> prepare for any theme nights. This isn't common, but occasionally events have themes attached to one or more of the event dance parties or evening dance parties. It's always optional, but no one likes, nobody likes missing the memo and being left out. This will be posted on the website, so stay tuned so you can prepare costumes when you're packing. Vegas, they really do it up. They do multiple themes. I think this last year they did Roaring Twenties, uh, which was like a you know, swing-looking flapper dresses, and guys could wear uh, fancy vests and whatnot. Um, so they, do, they did Egypt Night. They did Country of Origin International, International Night. Night. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think what other capes did I wear. Elvis Night, which was also Glamour Night. If you didn't have something Elvis specific, you could just wear a lot of bling. Was that all of them? I think there was only four. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't start on Tuesday. That would have been a very early start to the themes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's one more note on here in this article. Watch all the contests. As many as you can, especially the pros slash invitational division, novice division, and the routines. Buy a ticket at a table in the front of the floor, avoiding the sides. 
If you can, sit on the floor when you see others doing it. It's the best seat in the house. Performances. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, when it comes to line dance events, anyways, um, I after seeing the performances in Vegas, I don't want to miss any of them. They're just so entertaining, and it's fun to see what the choreographers come up with um, as a group. Um, and some of it can be very inspiring too just in the way that they move mm-hmm. so it's something that I highly highly recommend you watching alright All right. this article was entitled how to take advantage of dance events this is available on canadianswingchampions.com and of course we will be uploading this episode uh, to linedancepodcast.com which just redirects you to Buzzsprout we're thinking about getting onto Mixcloud making that transition since all of our other move radio DJs are on Mixcloud thinking that might be a a good thing to do as well Uh, we'll look into that in the meantime here is a musical break before we continue with additional articles this dance is actually going to be taught at the event we are currently attending it is can't walk away with the song Craving You by Thomas Rhett featuring Marin Morris. This will be taught by Joe Thompson Smansky, and we are very excited to see that teach. All right, we'll be back in just a few minutes. 